As the old saying goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can wound forever. They can, and they often do. In fact, much of the uh, public discourse we're seeing right now in our country, uh, I think it's wounding our country, certainly wounding uh, people of faith for sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Because there's so much, <coughs> I'm sorry, <coughs> there's so much rhetoric involved. Uh, in fact, it's, I can't remember the last time <coughs> that I've heard anything from Washington, at least, of any substance, of any substance. Uh, and it's a shame because uh, we live in a world that deeply needs to see Jesus, and, and I wonder if, uh, if we as believers are jumping into the fray to hand out wounded words again and again and again, or if we're seeing the, the, the devastation around us verbally and, and the discourse that's going on in our country and are uh, choosing the, the high road over the low road. I wonder, I wonder. Well, let's look at the, this master communicator in our, in our Lord Jesus in Luke 4. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at today at um, what gracious communication looks like, what gracious words sound like and how they need to come across and how they need to be communicated. This is uh, Jesus having basically just walked out of the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted by Satan. And this is the first time he shows up in public after that. And probably, well, if you're like me and you've, you've whipped Satan's tail, you, you want to have a, a victory lap, or I would at least. I'd want to have a victory lap. But that's not how we find Jesus here. We, we, we find him in a gracious uh, state of mind and what he shares and the way he shares it. So let's look at his example, his, his words before us today. The 14th verse of chapter 4 of Luke down through verse 22 together. Read along with me. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and pleased, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd, be, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they ask? Well, let's look at, see if we can glean at least four things here today from his, his words of graciousness and what we can learn from that ourselves. Gracious words should, first of all, reveal consistency. Gracious words should reveal consistency. Look at verse 16. He says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Where was Jesus on the Sabbath? He was in church on the Sabbath. That's where... He grew up in Nazareth and went to synagogue on Sunday with Mary and Joseph and the rest of the family, and he found his place there on, on the Sabbath again and again and again. And so as was his custom, as, as was the norm for him, he was uh, found himself in church. 
here's the point. If we want to, if we want to, what we say to impact the lives of other people, our walk is going to have to match our talk. What we do needs to match what we say. Are we gathering together with believers? Are we growing in our faith? Are we putting our uh, putting feet to our faith in, in service, whether it's in, in church or outside the church? Does our walk match our talk? Is there is there a substance to what we say, and does it match what we do and what we say what we say we believe? Uh, they're going to our, the culture we're in now. Believe me, is going to quickly connect the dots or not between those two things. We're going to quickly look for, and yeah, I've heard all that before, or he lives it. She lives it. In fact, they could probably say more about their faith than they do because I've seen it. I've seen it lived and squeezed out of their life again and again and again. Their, their walk matches their talk. A couple of questions here. That's this. One is, is there a consistency to how you do life? Meaning, is there a consistency, consistency to your walk of faith? Is there a sense, regardless of circumstance, that you're going to be true to the Lord. You're going to be true to his word. You're going to be true to, the, to, to your family. You're going to be true to your church. Is there that sense of consistency you live by that anyone in your life at work, at home, at socially, at the ball field, at the bank, at the grocery store, can point to you in your life and say, man, that's a model of faithfulness, regardless of their circumstance, because I know they've been had some job loss. I know they've had some marriage trouble. I know they've had some financial issues. I know that Regardless of their circumstance, I know you can see faithfulness and consistency in their walk again and again and again, over and over. If the people around your sphere of influence see those things in you uh, as we live out our faith. The second question is this. When we speak, can others readily see and hear in us a gracious spirit? Do they recognize a gracious spirit in us or do they see in us a sense, and I've confessed this to you before, uh, actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, there's, a, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And for most of my life, I've been a fairly confident person, but there's been situations in life, probably more than I'd like to admit, probably more recently than I'd like to admit, where confidence steps over into arrogance. Uh, and, and people recognize and are off-put by arrogance, but are attracted to confidence. And I wonder if, if my words are arrogant gracious. I wonder if they, if they come across, if I, if, if I come across as a, as a know-it-all or man, I'm, I want to be a sponge. I want to learn. I want to glean the things the Lord has for me. I wonder if my words are forced or fake because I'm going to tell you, people around your world can pick up on <coughs> forced, fake, spiritual verbiage where you're saying the right things. You picked up on some church jargon and you're saying the right things. You know a few songs they can tell whether the walk is real or not. They can tell whether the whether the uh, morning dear, whether you really mean that or not. Whether that's said in jest or whether it's whether it's faked or whether it's hyped, they, they pick up on that. So, are you? The question is, are you lacking a gracious spirit? Because gracious words come from a gracious spirit, as we see in this passage. Are you lacking a gracious spirit? Can I give you some counsel? Let's revisit what you have versus what you deserve. You can dwell on what you have, whether it's a little or a lot, versus what you deserve. I'm going to tell you, you're going to form a gracious spirit and attitude in your heart because, <clears throat> as I've shared with you, every person, there's not a person in this room that doesn't deserve to be this morning in hell crying out for mercy. It's what we deserve. We, we don't get what we deserve. I'm grateful we don't. Because... We, we would have a, a merciless God, and we don't. We have a God full of mercy. So I'm grateful we don't get what we deserve. 
Gracious words should again and again reveal consistency, faithfulness. Is that true of you? Is that true of your walk? Is that true of your witness? Secondly, gracious words should reveal their source. Look at verse 17. He says here, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he finds the place to read there in Isaiah 61. How do we know what words are, are gracious and what words aren't? How do we know how to discern those things? By what this book tells us to, to discern and believe. Uh, this book defines graciousness for us. And it's the source of, of, of grace itself and the gracious attitudes and spirits and speech that grow out of the teaching of this book that teaches those things. Do you think it's just happenstance that he, is, he finds himself here reading that day from the book of Isaiah, the most cherished and most oft-quoted book among Jews both then and now? Do you think it's ironic? It's just happenstance. Do you think it's happenstance that he, he turns to Isaiah 61 that speaks of this messianic promise, the Spirit of the Lord's on me, the Messiah, and because he's anointed me, Messiah, to proclaim good news to the poor. You think it's just ironic that all those things happen, that it's happenstance, that the, the, the attendant, which is probably like a 10, 12-year-old kid, hands him the scroll with Isaiah 61 in it? You think it's just happenstance? No. It was designed that day, with divine design, that the, the person of grace learned to, to speak of grace and, and uh, prophetically about himself in, in a gracious way. Uh, if, if coming out of the wilderness, as I said earlier, uh, it wasn't a victory dance. It was him saying, I want to I want to show you how to serve. I want to show you how to love because of this, what you're reading today from what I just read from Isaiah. He didn't say it this way, but he could have. He, he didn't say, it's about me. That's what probably most of us would have enough pride to be saying. That's about me, what, you just, what, I, what I just read to you. He says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today. What you've heard today You've seen fulfilled today. This prophecy seen fulfilled today. Leaving them many probably wondering, what in the world is he talking about? Seeing this fulfilled? In who? Who has Messiah already come? Have we missed him? Have we have we not seen him? He's being gracious, coming in a roundabout way to say, which the fulfillment is in me. It's in this this carpenter's son from Nazareth, which is always known. So uh, how how and when do how and when do the the power and the gracious words of Jesus become relevant and real and impactful and how and when do our words become that way well it happens when the word of God when the scroll is handed it happens when the word of God connects with the spirit of God the very first phrase in verse 18 says and the spirit of God, uh, spirit of the Lord was upon me so when we see word and spirit making this connection the power comes behind that word that connection word and spirit when we see word and spirit coming together his word, it jump, and you've, you've read passages like that, I'm sure, in your, in your life and in your faith, jump off the page to you. A word or a phrase or a verse or a passage, jump off the page. Why? Because the Spirit makes it instantly relevant and instantly understandable to you to where I can, today I can live this out. I get, I get what he's talking about here, and I, I can pour this into my life and into my walk, into my, in, in, into my words today. So when that connection occurs, there's a power, I'm going to tell you, that there's a power that makes that connection happen in your life to where God's, God starts to speak through you. He's not, not only speaking to you, but God starts to speak through you to others. And that evidence of that walk and talk is matching in a, in a glorious way 
And God uses it in a glorious way. And by uh, grace, your, your words are grace. Thirdly, not only does gracious words should they reveal consistency and reveal their source, but thirdly, gracious words should reveal gracious actions. Look at 18 and 19. Here's his prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim good news, proclaim freedom, sight for the blind, release for the prisoners. These are all a uh, list of gracious actions. Actions out of the grace of God that had occurred, not because man deserves those things, but because we serve and know and love a gracious God. So uh, he says here that these actions, when we, uh, when we speak graciously, these actions demand us to act and live graciously as well. These actions that he's talking about, the, uh, good news to the poor, uh, freedom from the prisoners, sight for the blind, release for the oppressed, we're, we're proclaiming here, the, the, the manifold grace of God in giving people what they, what they don't deserve because you and I don't deserve good news. To the, we don't deserve the good news of, of the gospel. We don't deserve the release from the oppression, the release from the, the consequence, the payment for our sin, but he gives us that and grants us that out of his grace. So each, each one of these actions are gracious. And so when something is gracious that way, uh, it becomes gracious because it's neither expected nor deserved. And if we expect or deserve those things, they cease to be gracious to us. But here we find ourselves here, the, the recipients of, of God's grace. Jesus is the fulfillment of the scripture, as he says in verse 20. Today you've seen, seen this fulfilled in your hearing. So if that's the case, and it is, then he is a gracious sa sa Savior, sharing gracious truth in a gracious way. Uh, it's, it's, it's gracious both. That's how we're to speak both to each other and back and forth to him as well. And if this world is to believe what we say, and I'm going to tell you, they are bent toward you and I approaching them in judgment instead of grace. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like that perception because I, I believe it's largely false from most of the kingdom. But there's a, there are segments of the kingdom that look at our culture and judgment always had and probably always will. And I, it pains me that that's true, but it is. But our world is looking at you and I as, as Christ followers, uh, as wanting to crack the next whip on their life. What, what, we look, what we look at in their life or their background, we don't agree with. We want to pass judgment, crack and point fingers. And if they're to hear in us and see in us a gracious attitude and a gracious spirit, that, that, that has to become intentional on your part and my part. It has to become something that we pursue as we proclaim good news to the poor, the release of, for the prisoner, sight to the blind. Those, those gracious actions give credence to gracious words to where they matter and relevant and true again for folks. <clears throat> and so if if they're going to see in us more grace than judgment, it's going to have to grow out of the fact that, uh, again, here we find ourselves not living and receiving and, and walking in what we deserve, but walking in the gracious uh, gifts of the, Lord, of the Lord to us. Finally, uh, not only should gracious words reveal consistency, reveal the source, reveal gracious actions, but gracious words should reveal a gracious heart. Look in verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Now notice, Jesus didn't read from, from a, 
or read a gracious passage of scripture, or just read a gracious passage of scripture. He read a gracious passage of scripture in Isaiah 61 in a gracious way. He read gracious scripture in a gracious way, with a gracious attitude, in, 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 from a gracious heart. Uh, it's not just what we say, it's the way we say it oftentimes. So Jesus knows that to be true and reads that and shares that with him in, in this way. They ask the question, isn't this Joseph's son? In essence, isn't, isn't this the carpenter's kid that used to hang over in the side of the yard of his dad's shop playing with the tools? And Isn't this, isn't this, this ordinary Joe that we've always known? And the answer to that is yes, it is this ordinary Joe who has become, <clears throat> who has become Messiah in front of your very eyes today, who has revealed to you his godness beyond his humanness, revealed his godness to you today. And he's, he's in doing so, has done that not in a way of arrogance to say, yes, I was the carpenter's son in the carpenter's shop, but a switch was flipped and I instantly became the Messiah, instantly became the promised one. No, I was born the Messiah and I've been the Messiah all along. But he doesn't say that in arrogance. He comes across in a gracious way. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this this ordinary Joe speaking the power of God's word to us in ways that pierce and reach our heart and in ways that show and reveal his humility and his gracious spirit before us? It was, it was his attitude that came across to him. It wasn't so much what he said. It was that, but that's not all it was. It was the way he came across. It was the way he communicated his attitude and his spirit. Uh, that was what they were referring to. So truly gracious words and actions grow out of a gracious spirit, out of a gracious heart. It can't be conjured up because people can see through it, as I've said before, and you can and others can as well. If that's not the case or spoken out of legalism, because I think I should speak these kind of words in this kind of way, or they're spoken out of manipulation because I look better for saying them if I speak them this way. But if they grow out of a gracious heart and a gracious spirit and a gracious attitude, they're taken in a gracious way. Uh, Grace and graciousness is the natural offspring of an attitude of gratitude. If you're going to live with gratitude, we're going to speak gracious words in a gracious way. If, we're, if we live in an attitude of, I'm not trying to become all Howler and Hilton Hill on you today, but um, gratitude is something that needs to be modeled and lived and walked out day after day after day. Because you and I, as I think of uh, the world my parents grew up in, as I think of the world their parents grew up in. Uh, I've shared some of this with you before, but we were raised, and I didn't find this out until I was in my early 20s. We were raised well below the poverty line based on my dad's income, but didn't know it. I didn't know it uh, because to us, it's th those in poverty were those who got the stuff in the poor box, and the poor box sat over next to the stove in our kitchen. And as we outgrew clothes and whatever, they went in the poor box. And so the poor were the ones that got stuff in the box. And so we were somehow above poverty because we had somebody else to refer to that was poor. I didn't realize that at the time, <clears throat> that all this was going on. But, but we were, uh, we, we lived below the poverty line but didn't even know it because uh, of our, how our parents approached life with us and how they made us grateful <clears throat> and shared their gratitude with us for what God had given them and taught us to do this, the very same thing. And, uh, and as a result, today I stand before you grateful to be your pastor, 
grateful to be involved in engaging your life. Grateful, grateful, grateful to be a grandfather. Uh, grateful to be a husband. Grateful to be a friend to many of you. Grateful for the things God's given me. Grateful even to uh, walk through some health issues and trying to figure out where God's at and all of that. Uh, if we can learn to live with a sense of gratitude in our hearts and learn to model that, <clears throat> and model that in front of others, we want to see a powerful influence and a powerful witness. Why? Why? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> because what is what is more contagious than gracious words is a gracious attitude. And God will use it every time, again and again and again. Uh, they saw that. These folks in Nazareth, Nazareth did in his presence. They heard it in his voice, but they sensed it in his spirit. And they will in yours and in mine too. Here's a couple of observations as we wrap up, and that's this. Gracious words grow out of a gracious attitude, and attitude is a matter of choice. Gracious words grow out of a gracious attitude, a gracious spirit, and attitude is a matter of, of choice. It's what you and I choose to live with every day. It's how we choose to, to view life, regardless of our, what our circumstances say, regardless of our feelings that day, regardless of what our past has been, regardless of what position or, or, or lack of that we have. If we can live with a gracious attitude, that gracious words will flow out of our mouth. And I promise you that, regardless of circumstance, regardless of, of, of where we live and what we face or what we have and don't have, what we have received and haven't received. Because this is true as we wrap up, and that's this. Great, uh, words matter to Jesus, but they should matter to us. How we communicate as believers in the culture you and I are living in is vitally important. It's vitally important because <clears throat> graciousness sticks out. I'll tell you, in a culture of judgment, in a, in a culture that's so quick with a comment and come back, in a, in a culture that's bent on winning, winning the argument, winning the day, winning the phrase, graciousness sticks out. I mean, it's huge because it's so atypical of where we find ourselves living today. So learning to speak with attitudes and spirits of grace, gracious words in a gracious way from a gracious spirit is a powerful, powerful witness in our culture. If you ignore that, you'll ignore uh, the, certainly the power of God and the power of, his, the power of his word and the power of his spirit coming together in your life to have a greater influence on those around you, those you work with, family members that need to, need to see and know Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you, from a, gracious, from a gracious heart flows gracious words, and gracious words are essential and vital in our culture. Let's pray.